Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. And our guest today is the amazing Winnie Winkle. Woo! Let's talk about and proper drinking without their swag. I am drinking from Skunk Brothers Spirits Viking Lightning and Lemonade, which is an albeit amazing yet probably terrible concoction that I should not have put together for myself. But it's amazing. Don't forget, DWA10, it's our coupon code buy from them they're they're awesome uh cr what are you drinking today <laughs> i was just admiring your little rant right there i am doing green tea and vodka <laughs> a healthy alternative winnie what are you drinking today i am drinking whiskey acres okay there we go whiskey acres bourbon out of illinois um which is an excellent bourbon because it actually comes from the same artesian street that runs into St. Louis, the country Illinois. So if you were in Illinois in the middle of a whole shit ton of corn, drop at this place. That's uh, amazing, amazing. Okay, here we go, rapid fire. What is your favorite book of all time? I'm gonna go with Charms of the Easy Life by Kay Gibbons. I absolutely love Kay a phenomenal southern voice um and that book had everything for me the it was spare every word mattered. the it wasn't like in your face southern but like the details where you picked up all of the stuff and it was set it was a generational story with granddaughter daughter grandmother or grand whatever mother grandmother, daughter there are three grandmothers in this story that no just kidding 
<laughs> and I really loved the fabulous way that those, those three relationships were about the story, but they weren't necessarily what was important in the story. They kind of drove the, the, the base that supported all of the great elements in that story. I, Kay Gibbons has struggled with some mental health issues, but God, you know, she didn't write very many books, but the books that she wrote were profoundly beautiful. Very cool. What about your least favorite book? Hmm. Well, I don't really have one. I've had several books where I I didn't finish them because they just weren't well written. I think for me, my is they cross the line. Like if I'm reading a book, because I pick up anything and start to read it, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. But if it's like got pedophilia or, you know, especially if it's like joyful, anything that's like squick factor 9000, I'm out. So I, and then I don't, I, it's like they're gone from my memory. I don't. It's like, ugh. So I don't really have a book that I didn't like. Um, I, there was a short story now. Jack London's To Build a Fire horrified me. I, I, it absolutely horrified me. The, this is just that whole slow plod why he, you know, tried to talk himself into survival when he was dying. I, I would just, I know men love this story. And I got done with the build a fire and I was just like, ooh. Because to me, it was like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't like the way it feel. Interesting. Um, so the answer to do you finish books regardless is no, right? Like if you're done, you're done. Well, if the writing is bad, I'm out. I'm out, out, out. And and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be snobby. I'm really not, but um we're inundated with a lot of writing that is not on the curve yet and what i mean by that is writers that aren't are they're still learning their craft and they should not have published but because we are this ourselves you don't always have all the advice or all the information in place you know when you should hold back um and, you know, there's that first book kind of booking thing where it's just like, oh, my God, I wrote this book. I'm sick of this book. I'm publishing this book. And the book is like, hi, I'm a toddler and I'm going to destroy your house. Um, so it really screws up your your catalog. But we all have our paths. So, but yeah, poor writing. What if you love the story idea? Like, I have sometimes where, like, I try to hang out as long as I can because when you know, you read uh, the book blurb or, and, and you go through it and you're like, this idea is amazing. And like, you do you try to cling in just to see if it gets put together? Because I have done that where I've read one where it started out and I was just like, this is terrible, but I loved the idea. And as it got closer to the end of the book, it's like they figured out what the hell they were doing and it was okay. But then I've also had the ones where it's like, they fucking forgot what they were writing about. Well, I've had, I, it, it takes some stuff for me to not, finish a book just because I'm all about I, I look at every time I read somebody else's craft as a learning opportunity for me I can 
I don't ever want to copy somebody else's craft, but what I like to do is understand where that story turned or how they saw that character evolve or grow, or maybe that, but that character gave up. You know, all of those things are, are turning point moments. And so I'll read a book to see what an author did. But honestly, if it's a vapid headed female character, you've lost me because women are brilliant. And I, I, I'm, you know, if, if her nipples are doing things, you've lost me. Nipples don't move. Nipples just sit there in your bra and wish they could be anywhere else. And uh, today's show, nipples don't do things. I'm I'm gonna take that. I'm trademarking it. Nipples do not do things. Thank you very much for being on drinking with authors. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, it's like sometimes I'll read it through. It's 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 like the slow Chinese torture agony thing, and because sometimes there is a, a reward at the end. And, and I don't want to ever criticize somebody for stepping off the cliff and, and making their shot. Right? No, I, I, I agree. I, I can't. You, you both are a lot nicer than me. I, if I get to a point where it's pushing them in the story or the grammar is so terrible, like I can't. I just can't because I become focused on that and not the actual story that's being told. Right. Um, what about your favorite book to a TV show or movie? Well, it's funny, I read, I have read, I should say, I, I haven't uh, picked him up in a while, but I'm, I'm a big fan, you know, I was in high school in the, in the late 70s, I, I read him voraciously through the 70s and 80s, and I really loved it for a while. Oh. And they changed it a lot, but I think what they did was pretty good because instead of having to go back and forth like it does in the book, they just had the current time in the beginning and the current time in the end, and then they let that story roll. In a film or you know setting, that actually worked really well because you got really invested in all of them, good or bad, you know. And, and then you kind of pop back up at the end and the beautiful little scene with the old models. And, you know, I really like the way they handled that because to do what she did in the book would probably not have been as good of a movie. That makes sense. What about one that they didn't do so well with? Oh my God, Janet Ivanovich. What the fuck? They had a great, fabulous series super snarky lead. Stephanie Plum is a great character. And they had Robert Heigl in the thing. He's amazing. And then the writers are all like, <clears throat> the writers ruined it. That movie was so shittily written. And it could have been like, and I'm sure Janet Ivanovich is drinking with us like mother. You know, because <laughs> they ruined it. <laughs> eight movies, you know? But that was just a crime. And it took so long to get it made. Like, oh my, you know, women would have ate that up. That would have been, you know, like the trick flick series blockbuster for generations. 
and they screwed it up. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I feel that happens. For me, that happens more often than not when they take stuff. Um, what about, uh, oh, wow, I just lost. Okay, Sierra, you're, you're on because that was the end of my apparent brain cell <laughs> right now. If you could be any main character, but you have to live their timeline, who would you be? Hmm. Yeah, there are an awful lot of garbagey books, not so much books, but garbagey movies and films that are we talking about films or, or books? Books. Books. Oh, okay. Um, this sounds like shameless self-plugging, and I'm sorry, but I really want to be Cleopatra. I just do. I think that's why a lot of you know authors come up with their characters. You create a person that you want to be. Like if you could create some fanatical world and just go bananas and well, what I really like about her is that she's got this whole sense of she got handed this job it's probably going to kill her and yeah she got some money and stuff some perks to do it but she's literally the conscience of the world and she's got such a sense of just kind of spicy favorable it's just like oh well okay let's do it you know and I, and I like that because she doesn't shirk from it she's not like I can't I don't want this job fuck this job you know she's more like well okay how am I gonna do that and I love it because it's just so clean it's like great I got up this morning this is who I am I'm gonna run as hard as I can and I, that just makes me happy. You know, I think that women do that every single day and nobody gives a shit. It's like you get up in the morning and the kid pukes all over the car seat and then you know, there's 12 other things going on and your boss is being a dick. And, you know, you just get through all of that and you get home and everybody's raising an eye over pizza again. And you're just like, yeah, but we're having sex. You know? <laughs> And it's like women do this shit all the time and nobody notices because we're so freaking good at it. It's like everything keeps rolling because we are freaking superheroes. <laughs> superheroes. Okay. Um, you're a pantser. I'm a pantser. I do understand the pantsing. Lots of pants. Um, my question for you is do you, when you're looking at a story, do you know where it's going to end? So for me on pantsing, I get an idea for a story and then I decide how it's going to end. And then I build the story from that. How, what is, how do you do it? When I was first starting to publish, I, I would write 55 to 70% of my book. And then I would stop. I would read the whole thing and I would do rough points so that I would close all the storylines. And then I would write that. And there could be variations in there, but as long as I didn't leave any open hanging lines, I hate that myself. When I read a story and I'm like, but what about Joe? You know, I hate that shit. So 
that was my fear was I was going to get the what about Joe email times 16 or whatever because I was brand new and didn't know how many I'd get but what I have found is that I grew in, in my growth as an author it's it's more that I can trust that it's going to go there so it, for me I can even plan an ending but I, I give myself a kind of a get out of jail free card with that because I'm going to be able to go back and edit anything that's got a little sideways um, <laughs> because it doesn't matter. I'm a storyteller. I'm telling you a story. And if it's not perfect the first time, by the time I present it to your majesty, the court, it's going to fucking rock because I don't want to lose my head. So we're good, you know? <laughs> No, that's good. Do you end up with a story graveyard at all? You start down a path on a story and then you're like, this has arrived absolutely nowhere and therefore it will be retired temporarily. I honestly have never, like I said, I write pretty thin and my words are pretty tight and I've never hit that. Now I'm not saying I won't, but I haven't yet. Um, I do regularly like go back each writing I try to write 15 to 2,000 a day and I try to write between 7,500 and 8,000 words a week mm -hmm. I try to take two days off of life and switch on my gut and make make things work um in terms of balance not in terms of with him he, he and I are perfect so um but and it only took me 60 years, ladies, to get that. I just found it. <laughs> so, together 18 months. Awesome. But now it's good. I know a lot. Um, but anyway, uh, so what I'm writing is it, it's more that I guess I just trust the process. I, I, I figure I'm going to get there. And I'm confident when I do my final editing and read through and I spend about two weeks on that to make sure that I feel like I told my story in my voice and it's clean it's ready to go there's not going to be sloppiness I don't I'm not paying Jenny sloppy I'm paying Jenny story think. so that's on me to get it right but what about short stories do you do short stories I've written one, which sounds like, but it's actually a beautiful story. And it's available for free on my website. It's called Dancing with Celandia. And I had to write a um, short, clean And I thought, okay, well, I can totally do that. Except I ended up writing, I think, kind of a with a romantic element to it. And I'm stupidly proud of that little story. It's like 70,000 words. And I'm just like, it's beautiful. I mean, back in the 70s, I would have submitted it to Better Home in the Gardens. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is anymore. I don't um, understand what that was, but I laughed because everybody else laughed. Yeah, Better Homes and Gardens was a magazine that everybody who had a house 
wanted to be in because they take pictures of houses and gardens and that's what you looked up to when you were like looking at suburban life this is the house you wanted to have or this is the whatever and they had stories and it was a women's magazine that yeah it's definitely not something that would be as popular now well, the thing is, is I, I use that as more of an idea that you would have been leaking through the living rooms and then come across this story and been like, oh. okay, back to the living room. You know, <laughs> like the good pause. It wasn't a reader's digest type thing. It was more of a really good story. I mean, I would put it out. I would submit it to the sun, you know, if they were taking things that were um, not published that were published in the past but because I, the quality of the writing is great and i don't mean like i'm a great writer what i mean is that particular story hit that spot where it's just like this really makes me a happy writer and so i like to give it away for free because i think that writer readers of any genre can kind of connect it, it's the perfect well, there's no like fantasy paranormal in it, but it's if you like good writing and you read that, you might try something. That's very cool. What about reviews? What have reviews been like for you? No, um, I'm getting some. Uh, like I think Boogie Beach is like 26. I haven't had a book that's just like slayed but i also don't like go doing the reviews or trying to get an amazon pos and and not not get in too much trouble but at the same time i i feel like that kind of stuff is organic because even though boogie beach has been out for almost a year it's still garnering reviews so i'm gonna just let it roll um the reviews that I've done have all been really pretty good. Most of the books are over four. And a lot of them are like over 4.5 or six. I don't know. You know, that, that that's such a shady thing. I mean, I get hit up on Instagram all the time for people that want to review my work. Is that what people do? You know? No, I think that a lot of that stuff is how authors get into traps and pitfalls is I'll review your book, I'll publish your book on my Twitter, 25,000 followers. And, you know, I, as a, a young fledgling author, like 10, 12 years ago, now I don't even remember, I'm just going to put that date on it. I did one of those Twitter campaigns because I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll do that. It, it ended up with absolutely nothing. And yeah. so now I warn authors all the time that, you know, what sounds too good to be true generally is too good to be true. You can obviously get art copies out there and there are different sites that have legitimate, like you can put an art copy up and they have to do reviews and they, you know, show that whether it's on Goodreads or whatever, like there are definitely some legitimate ways in which to get reviews or find you know your readers group or whatever your beta readers that sort of thing but you know if it sounds too good to be true it's probably too good to be true it's different if another author comes along and is like hey let's do a swap you take over my facebook i'll take over yours 
you know, you can, you can do that, but I think you got to be careful of the, I have 40 billion followers. And if you mm -hmm. give me $400, you can talk to all of them. And another thing I'm really trying to do is I want my readers me because I'm starting to blend the newsletter three different genres the readers is that I'm hoping to be able to cultivate a tribe that's going to want to review books of mine that I've read and you know if there's 9,000 of them and 5,000 read romance and 2,000 read fantasy and 1,000 literary fiction they're all going to have those dedicated folks that are going to be in there doing it you know i heard from one of my newsletter people today from the united kingdom that put one up on boogie beach and she sent me a copy of the review thank you <laughs> newsletter readers will get very engaged newsletter readers absolutely will get engaged and they want to hear about stuff so i think that's a great way to do it and to build your sort of core fan group that are the people that'll go out and review do you review books infrequently i'm put myself on such a pace these last i'm not reading level um i've read i mean i, I threw a couple on book bub today um and i'll i'll do some on goodreads a few on amazon but i bet i haven't reviewed 20 books this year and i know that that's part of it it's kind of a quid pro quo thing but at the same time I'm in like the infancy of my business. I think I will write until I'm 70. So I've written for two, two and a half years. I'm going to write for another 10. And I think that I'm going to get to the point where that, you know, maybe next year or two, where that balance of giving back starts to really manifest. Because it's okay to put time into yourself. It's okay to put time into your business. And I'm not, I refuse to feel guilty for doing that because I know that's what my business needs right now. But I'm a peaceful, giving person. And so to not get back at some point would, wouldn't work for me either. I'm just not quite there yet. So, does, does the review have to be above three stars when you do give them? How does that work for you? Like, well, I know Goodreads has put a great deal of effort into saying this review is really, really good. But as a buyer, no. Um, so I try to leave a four open. And if the book is just riddled with issues, I'll try to find a way to private message an author and say, here's what I found. You need to up your copy and reload to help because I'm not going to leave a review, but unkind people will. Um, I think it's it's always about supporting each other, and because we're in a transitional time, in I've got this little thing over my head, and I realize it looks like I have a little star, so I'm navigating. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll just stand up straight. Okay, here I am. Um, what I, I think we need to do is find ways to build each other up rather than tear each other down. And indie authors are like 
and I on a in an interesting uh, transition in the industry itself. What's changing in traditional publishing is seen as as something they have to react against. But indie authors are not bound together. So what our power is isn't recognized as a power. And I'm hoping that over time we're realizing that we have the dog by the tail. You know, we are wagging the little freaking publishing dog. Do that. And there, but it's such a big group of people. And they come from all over the world, different cultures and different cultures and different understandings of what is normal. So they use it against us. But at some point, we have to take our businesses and our power for what we want that to be and do the best thing we can to drive our book sales and, and do the new author because it's changing. Every, we, we talked several times tonight about my references are old-fashioned and nobody's them. Literally, nothing about publishing. Nobody's going to get it in 20 years. It's all going to be That's very, very true. And I cannot think of a better place to end. That is so awesome. Tell people how to find your books again. I'm at www.weekly.com. I have an all books tab there, but I'm also on Amazon, Apple, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and your go to your local library and ask them to stock my book because I am on overdrive. Very, very cool. Thank you so much for being on this podcast with us today. You've been so much fun and so awesome. And I really appreciate you. Cheers. Cheers. And this, wow. I'm fine tonight. I'm doing good. I, I don't even have any left in this cup. So I saw you finish it the last time you took a drink. So I was wondering if you had like sneakily poured something or how far this was going to go. No, I don't think this should go any farther than this because I'm trying to wrap up the podcast and I totally forgot what the hell I was doing. So go Erica. Anyway, this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs Edition. I have been your host, Erica Lance. Our sponsor tonight has been Skunk Brother Spirits. DWA10 is your 10% off code with that. My co-host has been C.R. Rice. And our amazingly fun guest has been Winnie Winkle. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.